Hi, welcome to Building a Business That Lasts. My name is Jay Owen, and I'm your host. On a quest towards stories, tips, and ideas that will help you grow a business without being stressed out, worn out, and ready to quit. Each week, I'll interview other business owners who have successfully grown businesses of all types for many years. It's my hope that these conversations will help you build a business that lasts. So I'm super excited that our podcast is now on iTunes. If you haven't already, I would really appreciate your review of the show. Leaving a five-star rating along with a comment or two can be a really big help for the show's publicity and getting out there so that other people can enjoy this content too. So if you have a minute, it would be great if you would leave us a comment and just let us know what you found most valuable about the show in iTunes. Thank you so much. On this interview, I talked to Jason Lewis. He is the owner and dentist at Bartram Dental Center. Uh, He started this himself almost 20 years ago. And what's unique about Jason is he's one of the funniest guys I know. And they do a lot of fun things uh, with their team. They recently went to Jamaica together. uh, And they really kind of operate in a way that is more in line with what a typical entrepreneur might look like and maybe not what a typical medical practice might look like. So I think there's a lot to learn from this conversation. And I hope that it is beneficial to you and your team. Hey, Jason, thanks for being here today. Thanks, Jay. I appreciate you having me. So uh, one of the ways I like to kick off all these podcasts is to give other business owners an opportunity to talk about how they got into what they're doing. In your case, you're in the dental practice, but you're really more than just a dentist because you're really a business owner as well. And you also run a dental assisting school. So I'd love to kind of get some insight from you if you back way up you know, even back to college days, how'd you decide, hey, I want to be a dentist? And then rolling out of that, how did you end up owning your own practice versus just working for some uh, conglomerate somewhere? Well, it actually even started before college. I had quite an extensive treatment of braces when I was young. So I, I was always intrigued by my uh, orthodontist. He, he was very nice. He'd always try to crack a joke with me every time I saw him. And uh, so I was intrigued by, I was always excited about going to my orthodontist appointment. So that's, I originally wanted to be an orthodontist. It's unusual to be excited about going to orthodontist. It, it, it is, <laughs> it is. So then when I got to college, I actually, uh, my major was mechanical engineering. And uh, so I, I was good in math and science. So I figured that that's what I was going to do. And my dad was in engineering or he had an engineering degree. And then my, a couple of my buddies, uh, about halfway through college, uh, one guy decided to go, he was going to go to med school, and the other, other guy said he was going to go to dental school. And, and so I got interested in, in, in what they were doing, and then I, I actually went to uh, one of my professors, or actually one of the pre-med professors, and I talked to him about it, and he, he pretty much said that I had no shot at, at getting into dental school based on my grades at the time. So I... I kind of took that as a uh, motivator, you know, got my grades up, and and, uh, it was kind of history after that. So once you graduated from college and and you thought, okay, like what's next? How did you actually say, okay, I'm going to start my own practice? So when you get to dental school, I think, you know, everybody gets excited about, you know, starting or wanting to start their own practice or at least just getting out, you know, graduating and, and getting the credits that you need. And, um, but once I got close to graduating, I, you know, I really wasn't sure what I wanted to do. I didn't want to go and do any more schooling. So to be an orthodontist, you had to do two or three more years of school. So I was like, all right, I want to be a general dentist. 
because I like the variety of procedures that I can do. As an orthodontist, you can only do braces. Some of these specialties of dentistry, uh, you can only do one or two procedures. Whereas a general dentist, I actually have the luxury of doing any of the specialties. So I, I like the variety there. So when I graduated, the first thing we did was look for a place to live. Because we were in Oklahoma at the time for dental school. And my wife's like, oh, we're not living here in Oklahoma. It's just, uh, she, we are both from Ohio originally. So we decided to move back east. And we, of all places, picked South Carolina uh, to live. And then from there, we started looking around for a practice for me to work in as an associate dentist. So we picked a place in uh, Greenville, South Carolina, and uh, found a, a nice practice with two, uh, two men that had been in practice as partners for 20 years, and that's how I got started in, in, my, in my career as, as a dentist. And then from there, you know, I realized that I wanted to eventually be an owner of my own practice, and, and then after a couple of years, we ended up moving down here to Florida because uh, my parents kind of were like, okay, you know, we, we can help you start a, a dental practice if you guys move down to Florida. And my wife and I were like, okay, we'll, we'll move down to Florida then. Right. <laughs> so uh, thinking about that first practice that you were in, one of the things that I always think is interesting to kind of hear a little bit about is there's so much you can learn in school, right? I mean, especially as a dentist, there's, there's a lot of technical things that you have to learn um, in order to take care of patients properly. But I think it's interesting when you actually go into a practice or, for me, into an office or into a business, and you actually observe other people doing business. And I'm curious for you, like, what kind of mentors you have, whether it was maybe some of those first guys that you worked with or other folks that you kind of were able to observe and go, okay, here's how they do things. I like these things. I don't like these things. I'm going to try and do these things. How did that kind of – did you have any opportunities like that in life that shaped you from a mentorship perspective? Oh, absolutely, because the two dentists that I worked for were very different. Both of them were pretty passive, and I don't know if that was just because they were a little bit older or a little bit further along in their career, but a lot of times I, I, I wouldn't say I was annoyed, but it, it bothered me that they kind of ignored certain things about the uh, practice management side of things. And uh, so those were things that I learned from and I learned about, uh, and I took some courses while I was working for, for this practice. You know, I took some practice management courses uh, to kind of get an idea of, you know, what it was like to, uh, to run a dental practice before I actually started. Because after about a year or so, I knew that that's what I wanted to do. I mean, they wanted, the two dentists wanted me to stay in Greenville. It's actually a small town called Pickens, uh, which is close to Clemson. But there's like four dentists in the town, and my wife and I just we just weren't interested in, in living in a small town. But uh, so yeah, that's that's kind of where um, I got some good ideas, got some not so good ideas, took some education, uh, got some ideas there as far as how I wanted to run things, and then and kind of took it from there. So how long has you how long has Bartram Dental Center been in? When did you start that? We opened in 2005. Okay. Um, and so we've been in business now 12 years. So one of the things that is obviously most interesting to me on this podcast, hence the name Building a Business That Lasts, is that a lot of folks um, start businesses, and it, it's statistically very difficult to make it past the first year. It's even more difficult to make it past the third year. Um, even fewer make it past the fifth and the tenth year. But once they do... Um, 
each year that a business is in business, they're more likely to stay in business. So they have this kind of repertoire that they've built up, obviously, over time, and they've learned a lot of things over time. So I'm curious, like in the early years for you, when you first started the practice versus now, you know, I, I wish that, at least for me, I wish that I could say that after being in business for almost 20 years that it's easy now, but it's just different. Like it's not, it's not any easier. Like some things are easier, but it's, it's just different. You know, mm-hmm. there's, there's areas that are just as hard. They're just different challenges. So I'm curious for you to think back to like when you first started the practice, those first couple of years, the things that really impacted, you know, your success and being able to kind of make it through what typically is a challenging start for just about any entrepreneur or business owner. Yeah. So, you know, it was, it was exciting at first because, you know, we're building, I, I decided to, instead of buying a practice from another dentist, which is what a lot of dentists typically do in the beginning, um, I decided to start from scratch uh, and actually build the practice uh, from the ground up. So we literally bought land and designed the building and everything. And so that that was fun. But it was, and I was working on the side at the same time. So I was here in Florida working in another office uh, while this was being built. Uh, so it was, it was. I was ready to get get into it. Um, initially, it was a little stressful, but I. I think probably the most stressful part at first was just the financial debt. Sure. Because as a dentist, you know, dental equipment is very expensive. Uh, certainly a new building was very expensive. So being able to pay that mortgage every month and that loan every month was after after six months or so, I started to really feel the pinch. Um, and the stress, I could tell, was really getting to me. So. Getting over that stress, it took me a couple years to do it um, before I actually had some consulting with another dentist uh, or, or coaching, I should say, uh, a guy that had been in business for 30 plus years. And, you know, one thing he told me, which is, has always stuck with me, he, he said to me, he's like, Jason, they're just zeros. And, uh, <laughs> and I, you know, at first I was like, really? Um, but after a while, I was like, in the grand scheme of things... Again, I don't like to think this way, but if I had to file bankruptcy, it wasn't going to be the end of the world. So I just try to think of it as, okay, they're just zeros. Just keep doing what you're doing and smile, be happy, you know, treat people well, and, and hopefully we can bring some of those zeros down. <laughs> you know, it's interesting. You hit on two things there that I, that I always kind of think of in my head, too. The first being, like, what is the worst-case scenario? Like, the worst-case scenario is none of this works the whole thing collapses and I have to file bankruptcy and I have to start something else, you know, but I still have learned and gained the knowledge and experience that I've had. Hopefully I've still got my health. Hopefully I've still got my family. And so one of the things that's always really important to me in all of this is, is that mindset because I think what a lot of business owners uh, end up doing, um, which I've done before is it's easy to feel like, you know, people jokingly say it's lonely at the top. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think a lot of folks kind of laugh at that, but I think there's a there's a real truth to that because there are certain things that the business owner has to be aware of and has to deal with and has to bear the weight of that nobody else really needs to think about. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not a matter of having to sh- having to have somebody else bear that weight, but but having that mindset when you hear from other business owners and go, okay, I'm not the only one that feels like that. I'm not the only one that's a little bit stressed out because of X, Y, or Z. Like that's normal. And I think right now, especially in the business world. It's, this isn't new, really, but there's just a lot of that. Like, you'll see 
business leaders start to kind of isolate themselves. I think that's really dangerous. And I Mm -hmm. think what you did there to seek out counsel of a coach, a mentor, somebody else has had a little bit more experience and say, hey, here's what I'm dealing with. How can I fix it? And then them give you kind of just a different perspective on the same issue you know, sometimes you don't even necessarily need need a whole lot of change. You just need a new perspective. Right. You know? um, one of the things uh, we talked about, too, or I just, just kind of mentioned was um, the idea that worst-case scenario, I've still got my health, still got my family. And family is a big uh, thing for me, obviously. i got a bajillion children. And, <laughs> um, you know, I always say that, you know, somebody's marriage um, is one of the most impressive things on their resume because they're, it's – it's so easy to get so caught up in the business world that we just totally sacrifice our spouse and children. And I'm curious for you how you've kind of rolled those things in over time. Because I know your wife's involved with the practice. You know, I see you out with the kids doing baseball and things like that. So how have you tried to balance those things over time and, and find space in your schedule intentionally to involve them in life? Well, I think, uh, you know, how they say we either – with our parents, we either become just like our parents or, or the opposite of them. And I'd say I'm somewhere in between um, because my, my parents, my mom was very involved with, with my activities in my school and when I was growing up. But my dad, I, I don't remember him being involved as much, and um, especially as I got into my uh, teenage years. But uh, so that was one thing that I told myself early on that I was going to be as much involved in, in my son's activities as possible and which has involved coaching and um, and even you know trying not to stay at work for, you know super late because that's something my dad you know he'd get home at seven or eight o'clock at night and uh, you know I try to get home early so I can spend some time with them but one of my college or dental professors said to me uh, halfway through, uh, he told me that 95% of my success was going to be based on who I marry. Mm. Um, there's actually a, uh, I actually had a picture or a framed picture in my apartment that had that at the top, like mm. 25 reasons to be successful, and that was the number one. And it's so true because, yeah. um, you know, my, my wife is, I mean, she, if I didn't have her, you know, my business would not be as, as successful uh, as you mentioned, she's an office manager in the practice. She she takes a lot of stress off my shoulders, uh, especially on an administrative level. So she's she's amazing, and she takes care of the kids too. So I don't know how she does it. Like your wife as well. I mean, our women are amazing. Yeah. But um, so that's that's one thing that I, I I wanted to make sure I spent time with my kids. Could definitely have some more date nights with my wife. Uh, <laughs> But, uh, you know, we only have a, a limited time with them. I've been talking to some other parents recently whose kids are out of the house, especially some people in my profession, and are like, you know, they miss it. They miss those times when when they were doing all the activities. Because I think every now and then we're running around with our heads cut off and we're like, oh, man, this this, this stinks. You know, gosh, I'm, I'm the Uber service for my kids. And. But in the grand scheme of things, I mean, when they're out of the house and starting their own lives, we're going to miss it. And so I, I don't want to take it for granted. No, it's easy to joke about it. You know, I always joke about my kids and I kind of passingly, sarcastically say, yeah, children are really a blessing, you know, but mm-hmm. but they really are. I mean, it you know, it's it's easy to 
get caught up in the wrong mindset of them dragging me down, but it really they push me forward. And I think mm-hmm. about, you know, Claire, my wife specifically, I probably wouldn't even be in business today if it wasn't for her. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I, I was going to be in the insurance business with my uncle at one point. I was going to take over his business. I was going to kind of fade in. He was going to kind of fade out. And um, But I hated the insurance business. And I went home one day and, and kind of told her that. And, <laughs> and she was like, I said, you know, I can make a lot of money at this, but I'm probably not going to ever like it. Mm-hmm. And she's like, well, you need to do what you love. And and that was it. Like, that was the day that I was like, okay, this is what I'm going to do. And that was, I don't know, 13, 14 years ago probably. And, you know, it's amazing to kind of look back over that time and see see how that's changed because she really has attributed to my success. Now, in my case, Claire's not directly involved in the business, although she's probably still my number one mentor and counselor because she's the one that has to hear everything and, and is my first line of reason, I would say, before I you know make some rash decision or do something I probably shouldn't do. Um, but in your case, your wife actually does work in the business. So that's an interesting thing to talk about, family, business, family in the business. How has that worked out for you? Has she worked in the business the whole time? Is that something that kind of happened over time? And then... And then maybe even talk specifically about, obviously she's a huge asset to you, but how you guys have kind of worked through being able to do life together, but then also do work together. Because mm-hmm. I always joke that like, there's really not a work-life balance, it's just a blender, everything just gets thrown into it, and sometimes you need a little more spinach, sometimes you need a little more sugar, but it's just a blender. And, and so I'd be interested to kind of hear your perspective over time um, with Tracy actually working in the business and how that's affected y'all's marriage both positively and then challenges that you may have had yeah so when when i first started the practice uh she was a teacher at bartram trail high school she was a high, high school math teacher uh and she also did the uh she was the coach of the cheerleading team the, the junior varsity so she was staying busy with that but you know she would also come into the practice maybe one or two days a week just to to help and you know do any odd jobs uh, she would help with the bookkeeping. And then as we grew, I needed her a little bit more. So then she eventually uh, resigned from the, the coaching and, and then eventually resigned from the teaching. So we were probably, I would say, maybe one year in when she fully resigned from from her teaching uh, at Bartram. And then like six months later, she got you know we got pregnant with the boys. But she's her role in the practice has continued. Like first it was a couple days a week, then it was three, then it was four. Now she's she's there every day, you know, five days a week. And even though we don't see patients a lot of times on Fridays, uh, she, you know, both of us are in the practice working on administrative uh, items, you know, working on the practice rather than in the practice, so sure. to speak. But uh, as far as it, uh, you know, it's funny because. There were some times, you know, maybe when the kids start school or maybe maybe when the kids start going to school, she she needed to be with them a little bit more and wasn't getting to the office as as uh, as early as she did. And I actually missed her. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, where where is she? You know, and, you know, I couldn't wait for her to get to work because uh, it's just a sense of calm when when she gets there. And uh, she provides a nice um, feel to the office. Um, she's very positive. Uh, she, she makes everybody laugh. She makes the, the staff feel good. Um, so it's great to have her there because we've even talked about starting another business. Granted, gosh, having a third business, business might, might kill us, but, uh, <laughs> um, 
we've, we've talked about having a consulting business with other dental professionals that have the spouse in the practice because we feel like we've, we've been very successful with it. And we hear so many horror stories where the wife is hated by the staff. Like she just comes in one or two days a week and they're like, who is this? And, uh, she starts, you know, barking orders and, um, so we've heard so many stories like that. And so we've, we've talked about maybe doing a, a little consulting business on the side, you know, maybe when the kids, you know, leave the house and go to college, you know, maybe that'll be the right time. But, um, cause we feel like we can help people, help, help them manage their teams better, uh, help them, um, you know, what role does the spouse hold, um, just to make their practice better as well. Yeah. It's interesting because, you know, you, by trade, you're a technician of sorts and that you're a dentist, but really you kind of have that entrepreneurial spirit because you, know, you, you started dental practice, now you have a dental assisting school, now you're thinking about this kind of other mm-hmm. idea. And it's neat that y'all are able to work on that together because it creates so much opportunity for you, you know, as a married couple to be, you know, connected on that. I think a lot of people, it creates a lot of tension, but it sounds like for y'all, I mean, obviously there's going to be tension. Tension's not always bad anyway, but it sounds like it's really been awesome for you, which is really cool. Yeah, yeah, we. Uh, it's funny because she'll tell my tell the staff if I talk about one of the staff members at home, then then that's not a good thing. Mm-hmm. You know, if I don't talk about the staff when I get home, that means everything's good. But uh, we we try not to talk about business when we're at home. But you know, as you know, it, sure. it's going to happen. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we've we've the blender thing. I like that analogy because I feel like that's exactly what it is you know we you know everything is just kind of mixed together yeah absolutely um, and and i don't think that's bad you know i I think a lot of times there's this like idea in our culture right now that for some reason work and all other things whatever they are family you know friends other life has to be totally separate and i'm like I just don't necessarily believe that. I mean, you you know, like I I have a lot of friends that work on our team mm-hmm. and uh, that have been really good friends. Like I like to hire people that I like, that I know, like, and trust. Like, yeah. And some people don't like that. And there are inherent risks to that. There's inherent risks to, you know, having your spouse on your team. Um, but inevitably, I just think there's more benefit in working with people because if you got to be around them all day, like – you might as well enjoy your company, you know? Exactly. And and for me, like, I would love if, if Claire worked here, you know, because what better company than your best friend, you know, to have right. her on. So that's pretty cool. One of the things you hit on uh, in that was you talked about working on the practice versus in the practice. I think that's a big problem for a lot of business owners, regardless of the industry, is it's so easy to get tied down the day-to-day of doing all the things that have to be done to get things done. And I've been working really hard the last few years myself to kind of draw myself out of individual task work, out of individual project work, and to work on the business itself, which is part of what this podcast is, really. So I'm curious for you, has that always been something you've been pretty good at, at separating time out, or if that's something you've had to learn over time to say, okay, we've got to actually work on the practice, figuring out what we need for the team, what do we need infrastructure-wise, what kind of equipment do we need, what's our vision for the future, what's our strategy behind that? How have you kind of transitioned to that, or has that just come naturally to you over time? Well, I think delegating has always been a weakness of mine because I, I feel like in the beginning um, I would micromanage my, my team, and and I feel like just to kind of go off to go on a tangent just for a second, I feel like I've gone through three levels of – of work stress in my life um, so far. It's been the first was the financial stress, and then the next was the uh, 
uh, staff or team stress, getting the right team, and now it's the growth stress. Yeah. And uh, so it's uh, during that team stress aspect or part of, of the practice, it was we were going through, we had a lot of turnover, and, and I think it had a lot to do with me micromanaging and, and just not knowing really how to manage people. And so, you know, once I got that part down, then I felt like once I could delegate more and let them do their job, even though I may not, they may do it a little bit differently than the way I would do it, let them do it. And in that way, it allowed me to, to work on the practice more and certainly working four hard days a week and then going in on a Friday, it was hard to to work on the marketing and work on the, uh, you know, the four, getting the 401k stuff ready, you know, being able to uh, work on the benefits for the team. Because, you know, everyone, to keep team members, you also have to provide them with good benefits. So always trying to think of how I could uh, uh, make the team make them have a better experience um, in the practice so they, you know, don't want to leave. But um, so that's, I think once I got past the part of not micromanaging and and knowing how to manage people a little bit better, and certainly Tracy too, I mean, I feel like she's always been good at it, especially with the cheerleading aspect. She's managing parents, and those parents are probably tougher than any parents of any sports or of anything um but she managed him so well so she was already kind of trained in that so she helped me along the way to to get better at that as well that's a really interesting idea kind of the three levels of work stress financial staff and growth because i think that's probably true for a lot of people and they probably Mm -hmm. encounter them at different stages Mm -hmm. some people probably have different those stressors may be in different orders but they're always true one of the things i was thinking about yesterday just because of the ebb and flow of how our year has gone, July was a little bit slower, and then August was just has been just totally insane. And what was interesting to me was it's easy to kind of get caught in this crazy cycle in business, I feel like, of worrying about the future and not having enough business or not being able to provide or whatever, and then stress about how am I going to deal with all the work that I have. Mm-hmm. And it's so easy to just flip between those two things, you know, and, and never feel like you've got, you know, good traction underneath you. But I think that idea of being willing to let other people do things, maybe not exactly the same way as you would, um, mm-hmm. but still at a high level of quality, sure, is really important. And, and one of the things I always say, too, is I think a lot of business owners, one of the mistakes that they make is that they're not willing to let their people fail. Um, now, we, none of us want our team members to fail catastrophically because we don't want the business to fail catastrophically. But small mistakes along the way are things that like, we almost have to let people make because it's the only way that they can materially learn from them because that's how most of us learned along the way was, okay, I did this. This was the outcome. That didn't work very well. well let me do this instead next time. Um, and I think that's that's been really important for me in that whole delegation cycle of going, okay, this is how I would have done it, but I'm my job is really more to cast the vision of where I want to go, and there might be five ways to get there, and let let them figure out which way they're going to go, and then if there's an issue, we'll correct it along the way. But um, that's that's huge for me as well. The last a couple of things I'll kind of hit on here because we're, we're about to wrap up is it's easy to get caught up in the day to day of everything that's going on: work, family, uh, friends gym, everything else in life, and how do you, in all of that, continue to educate yourself? Obviously, we all go through different 
you know, time periods and seasons of life where we're kind of heavily learning and then we're kind of heavily executing. And then there's kind of a mix of that in certain areas. But how do you grow both technically, you know, with new opportunities that are coming out in dentistry all the time? And then um, on the leadership side, you know, like you talked about earlier, trying to find new benefits, new ideas for your staff members, things like that. Where do you gain your knowledge? Is it is it books? Is it podcasts? Is it friends? Is it mentors? Where do you kind of glean the most information from that's helpful? Well, before the kids really got old enough to, and even before they were born and before they got old enough to, you know, where their activities were kind of taking over our lives, um, I did take a lot of continuing education. Uh, so I was taking education for new procedures to, to implement in my practice. I was taking courses on practice management. Uh, I had consultants coming in. You know, I probably, I've probably gone through four different coaches, consultants over the uh, 12-year um, lifespan of the practice just to always get a different um, uh, view on things. Um, so from a... Uh, I'm not a big reader, although I, I am, when I find a book that I really like, I really get into it. Um, I think one thing that helped with my approach to managing people was a book by, uh, I don't know, John Gordon called The Energy Bus. Hmm. And that talks about how to to be you know positive and how to get the negativity out of your life and it's a real he pretty much tells a story through the whole book from a uh, third person point of view but it's really interesting and it really gave me a different perspective on on things and right now i'm actually reading uh how to win friends and influence people and i've read read it before but it's been a couple years and so now i'm doing the audiobook on that and uh it's very fascinating i was like wow i didn't there's so much i'm i've picked up this time around that I either forgot about or just didn't pick up the you know the first time. But yeah, just talking to mentors, it's kind of like a hodgepodge of all that you mentioned. I mean, just taking courses, you know, cuz I feel like for me to grow, I need to to be able to have a mixture of services in my practice, not just doing fillings and and crowns and extractions because a lot of times I'll I'll have a patient come in and and they'll have some dental work that was done. They've been my practice, my patient for ten years, and they had some veneers done. And I'm like, "Oh, when'd you have the veneers done?" They're like, "Oh, I went to so and so, the cosmetic dentist." I'm like, "Oh, that's cool." I'm like, "They look great." But by the way, did you know that I do veneers too? <laughs> and they're like, "Oh, I didn't know that. I thought you, you know, I didn't know you were. I thought I had to go to a cosmetic dentist." I'm like, "No, no, not at all." I mean. Granted, you don't want to go to someone who hasn't had any training, sure. but um, but I'm always trying to uh, take that extra education to get better at you know veneers or implants, you know services that the the public thinks that they have to go to like a specialist to, and that's not necessarily true. But yeah, that's that's kind of uh, and and again the the reading. I try to have my staff read a book once or twice a year. It's that's a struggle sometimes, but. Um, we did read the energy bus a few years ago and they really liked that. But overall, I, I think, um, I, I'm always, I like to be on the cutting edge. You know, I like to have the best technology. People compliment us all the time on the technology in the office. And I think that makes a big difference. I think people want to know that, that their dentist is up to date and, or any business for that matter, right. um, that they, 
are taking because if they're up to date, chances are they're probably educating themselves, mm-hmm. you know, with with different procedures. Yeah, it's it's funny. You know, people always joke about good salespeople. They have the ABC should always be closing, <laughs> but I think for most good business owners, there it should kind of be the always be learning. Um, mm-hmm. And I think what's most interesting to me in a lot of these interviews that I've done is that the majority of people tend to have kind of a hodgepodge of of how they continue their education. But I think what's interesting too is that it's unique to each person. You know, mm-hmm. like some people are avid readers, like. I'm not. I'm a slow reader. Like, but I love audiobooks. So mm-hmm. I listen to a lot of audiobooks. Sometimes I listen to them passively. I tend to like listen through it passively, and then if I really like it, I'll listen to it intently again. Or I might go buy the book so I can underline stuff or pull out chapters that I was specifically interested in. Sure. And I think that idea of finding what works for you, that unique style, is really important. Because I think one of the mistakes a lot of business owners make is they see one particular process or practice or business or whatever, and they think, okay, that's the only way. That's the way it has to be done. Mm -hmm. And it's like the joke that I always make about, you know, the early bird gets the worm. And I always joke, well, unless the night owl gets first, because I'm not an early morning person. It's just not my thing. But I can stay up late, and I can work till... I can work till the morning. You know, that's just how I operate. And I think that's okay for some people. But some people need to, you know, be up at four in the morning and they're ready to go. And that's that's fine too. So I think finding that unique balance of where you are. And then the last thing you hit on, which I think is really important, is also always finding ways to educate our customers, not necessarily on the details, but just on the things that we do. Because we run into that as well as a digital agency in that, you know, when I first started, we just did websites. Mm -hmm. And now we do, like, everything under the sun from social media to pay-per-click to videos to whatever. And then someone's like, Oh, I didn't know you did videos, you know? Mm-hmm. And then we always kind of kick ourselves. We're like, Oh man, like well, I wish you'd know because you know, we could have done that and, and packaged it all. It would have looked a lot better because it's all under one umbrella. Sure. And it's the same thing kind of for you as a dentist too. And that it, it's just interesting to me that you can make all those parallels in that like our businesses couldn't be any more different from a technicality of what we do Yet there's so much overlap, really, in in all those kinds of things, and mm-hmm. no, making sure the customer knows what we do, make sure they know that we're staying up to date, um, educating them, communicating that well, and then being able to provide all those services in one place because you know you know that customer more than some random cosmetic dentist does because you see them on a more regular basis, exactly, and, and you're able to follow up with them and see how they're doing, all these other kind of things, so. That's been that's really interesting to me. Uh, any last parting thoughts or advice or anything else you want to think of? Because we're pretty much out of time here. Um, no, I, I think um, going forward, I, I I think I was taking a risk when I started my practice. So, uh, and it's paid off. We've had a lot of success. There's been a lot of not so successful things along the way, but the successful things have certainly outweighed the not so successful. I call them room for improvement. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But uh, overall, I feel like to be successful in in business, in your own business, especially, you have to take risks. Yeah, you know, you have to you have to go out on a limb because if you're not willing to do that, then you're just. I feel like you're just going to be kind of mediocre, like everybody else. And uh, not that that's a bad thing. It's just that you got to have that willingness to to I guess jump off the cliff and hope that you you'll start flying. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> but um but yeah that with this new office that or you know potential for growth the growth stress that I mentioned, you know, right now we're at a point where we need to decide if we're gonna build a new facility, which means taking on more debt. 
but in the grand, you know, in the long road, it, you know, again, it's 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 taking risk, and um, and certainly we're in a better situation than I was 12 years ago when I didn't have any patience right. and didn't have any money, uh, and I'm borrowing, you know, a million dollars from the bank. So it, um, so anyway, that's I think that would be my parting thoughts. Would be, you know, don't be afraid to take risks. Absolutely. Well, thanks for being uh, on the show today, Jason. I really appreciate it. For anybody listening out there and wants to check out uh, Jason, what he does, you can check him out online at BartramDentalCenter.com. And uh, Jason, thanks for being here today. Thanks, Jay. Appreciate it. You know, one of the things I thought was interesting from this interview was just Jason's candidness about the stress of business at times and taking on new debt and building buildings and trying to build a team and the realities that go along with that and trying to find ways to kind of minimize that. And and it's also really neat to have the conversation that he had about how valuable his wife is to the team because that's kind of a unique aspect. And a lot of times folks have trouble with families and business, but for Jason and Tracy, they've managed to make that work and work really well uh, for their company. And I hope that this conversation has been helpful to all of you who got to hear it. I hope this episode has given you some ideas or inspiration that will help you grow your business. If you found it helpful and you know somebody else who might benefit from it as well, I would greatly appreciate it if you would take the time to share this with them, maybe on Facebook or Twitter or LinkedIn, or even shoot an email over to a friend uh, with a link to this podcast in it. And if you haven't already, make sure you sign up for our email list at buildingabusinessthatlasts.com.